Do you know what a podcast is? Not really. I hear the name, but I don't really. It's, I'm a dinosaur, you know that. There was something in your ear to hear it. That's right. <laughs> it's um, not television, it's like radio. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, well, there's do. two things in your ears. We're recording this so things. I can put two things in my you ears. You got them now in your ears, too. Well, that's things. so I can listen to the audio level. Okay. I'm not listening to a podcast. I'm recording Oh, you're not. So, audio what does it look like? Hey, yum's the word. Haven't you heard? The yum's the word. It was started by a bird. My name is Robin. And her hair has lots of curls. Actually, I blow it out a lot. Two stories, some awkward. Like wetting the bed next to your boyfriend. Pretty funny and absurd. Like your boss tickling your side boob. So welcome all you nerds. And cool people, too. This is for everyone. Except kids. Yum's the word. Hi, and welcome to Yum's the Word. I am Robin Gelfenbein, creator and host of the show. Now, at the top of the show, you heard my aunt, who I affectionately call Auntie, and she uh, is not exactly digitally savvy, but she knows how to make a mean ice cream cake, and that is what I have done with the show. I make ice cream cakes at every single show, which explains why we call it Yum's the word, and the tagline is the storytelling show where everyone gets a piece. Now, you will hear a pun or two throughout this podcast, so I'm just warning you right now. But we uh, we do it all in good fun. We like to name the ice cream cakes, fu- some fun punny names. We've done things like if we did like a caramel ice cream cake, it was called caramel toe. We've done mint ones called mint Oreo speed wagon. And uh, after the presidential election, we called one thanks for the memories mint Romney. So we have a lot of fun with those. And uh, throughout the podcast, we're going to feature all kinds of fun little tidbits from auntie pearls of wisdom, some Yiddish. Uh, you never really know what's going to come out of that woman's mouth. So we're just going to let her rip and uh, I hope you will enjoy her because she is an absolute riot. So at Yum's the Word, we feature funny true stories with heart. The themes are always inspired by ice cream in some way, shape or form. So we've done things like, uh, Rocky Road, Stories of Danger. We've done Chubby Hubby, Stories from Married Couples. We just did Mr. Softy, Awkward Sex Stories. So ice cream surprisingly lends itself to a lot of really great storytelling themes and puns. So um, I'm excited to share some of these stories with you right now. First up is one of my very favorite storytellers. He is so funny, so charming, and an absolute doll. This story is about how he took on his air guitar competition in high school with serious gusto. Here's Danny Ortiz, live at Yum's the Word. Hello. So, in high school, my nickname was Brittany. Um, But not because kids were mean. Uh, See, there was this competition, and it was once a year in the gym at night after school, and it was called Air Guitar. And it had started out as an actual, like, air guitar competition, but over the years had sort of become a silly little, 
lip sync and dance competition that a couple cheerleaders always won. And after seeing it my freshman year, I thought, well, I can do better than that. So I got my friends Debbie and Jerry together. We put together this little medley that ended with Britney Spears' song, You Drive Me Crazy, the Stop remix. Thank you. Um, and I played Britney, and, and we ended up winning the, the competition. And so not only did we get prize money, but we also got to perform at an assembly. So I was in front of the entire school in a long blonde wig and a metallic green top that my mom had sewn for me and hot glue gunned breasts into, made of styrofoam. Um, she was a very supportive woman, and I love her very much. Um, and... <clears throat> And so I had earned the nickname Brittany. It was, it was actually a, a show of respect for me at the time. And so when it came time for the next year's air guitar competition, uh, sure, I wanted to win, but more importantly, I wanted to outdo the previous year's performance. That was my goal. That was what I set out to accomplish. So I went bigger, put together a bigger cast. We called ourselves a cast. <laughs> Uh, we put up flyers around the campus. Uh, I went to a school whose name started with F, and so we made flyers that were a play on VH1 Divas Live, which was relevant at the time. And um, <laughs> it was FHS Divas Pre-Recorded. And we were the only group that put up any flyers or did any marketing materials whatsoever for Air Guitar. Um, and we rehearsed. I had a very strict schedule of rehearsals for us, and we worked very hard. Um, sort of my collaborator on it was Debbie, who I'd worked with the year before, and she was like the nicest, sweetest person, uh, to the point that one day at school she was wearing a thin shirt, and to keep her nipples from showing through, she wore two Band-Aids over them. Like, this is who we're working with. So, of course, she was going to be performing as Janet Jackson uh, doing the song If, which, if you're not familiar, is a song that 16-year-olds probably shouldn't even be listening to, much less lip-syncing to. So I didn't tell her what the words were. Um, so she was just lip-syncing, buzz, 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 which is what it sounds like the first time you hear the song anyway. So it was actually fairly accurate. Um, and we had this move in, in the dance where I was on my knees uh, with, like, fishnet sleeves, and she shoved me down onto the ground face first and then walked over my back in thigh-high black latex boots that I had gotten for her. And she was like, Danny, I'm so sorry. I feel like I'm hurting you. Are you okay? And from the ground, I just looked up to her and I said, Debbie... It'll be worth it. <laughs> and it was, because the night of the performance, we owned that audience. Like, they were all about us. We started off, my friend Jill was Madonna, and then we had Debbie doing Janet Jackson, and then our friend Elizabeth was Selena. Notice the multiculturalism represented in my high school. And, uh, and then there was going to be the big finale, which was me, and everyone kind of knew that I was going to be doing Britney. But at the time, my favorite thing in the world was a fake-out. So I came out to a man's song, novel concept, and I was wearing, like, black pants, a black vest, and a fedora, and I was doing my little, my little lip-sync and dance, and then very soon into it, because everyone knew it was coming, uh, it switched to Britney Spears' Stronger, which was a video where she was dancing on a chair, and so I was like... Because <laughs> it was lip-sync, so that's what I did. And... Um, <laughs> And the only thing I loved more than a fake-out was a fake-out within a fake-out. <laughs> so just as soon as that music started, it was interrupted by... Dun, dun, and I took off my black hat and my long blonde wig tumbled down. <laughs> dun, dun, 
the vest was off. My tearaway black pants were in a heap on the floor. Because that night, I was not going to be performing to Stronger by Britney Spears, but recreating her scandalous 2000 Video Music Awards performance of Oops, I Did It Again, wherein she stripped from a black suit to a flesh-tone, sheer, stocking sort of garment, if we can call it that, with strategically placed rhinestones and glitter. I had recreated the costume without my mom's help this year. She was in the audience and didn't know I was going to be doing that. Um, I should mention at this point that um, the year before, although the judges had awarded us first prize in air guitar, um, we were not allowed to collect our prize until we wrote a letter of apology to the school administration. Um, because apparently my costume had violated the dress code. Um, not because I was dressed as a girl, but because that green top that my mom sewed for me was midriff bearing. And that was a problem. <laughs> so this year, the administration had instituted a costume approval process. Uh, so two weeks before this night, I was in the principal's office with the principal, assistant principal, and the dean of students with the blinds drawn in my flesh-toned bodysuit, my bedazzled bra, and my silver glittery thong, just doing a 360-degree turn for them. <laughs> I know you're imagining it, you should. Um, and then, even though they didn't like it, because the bodysuit covered me from neck to toe, they had to approve my costume, so I got to wear it. Um, but I told them, because they were worried, I said, don't worry, I'll tone down the sexuality of the dance moves. Which, that afternoon, I completely meant. I, I with every spandex-clad fiber of my being. Uh, but the night of the performance, with the music going and the lights, I kind of forgot that, and I may have turned around and shaken it very hard. Um, and as I was performing, the audience was screaming. And it was mostly in delight, but there was a little bit of terror, because you could not tell if I was actually wearing anything under the thong or if I was just all greased up, kind of like the Vaseline that Auntie was responding to. That's pretty much what it looked like from a distance. Um, and when it was over, like, it felt like the response was as loud as the VMAs themselves. And I just felt like I had shut down air guitar. The judges did not quite agree. Um, I got third place, which wasn't bad, but it wasn't really uh, the victory I was hoping for. Um, however... More importantly, I had topped the previous year's performance, and the next day at school, mine was the only one that people were talking about. So I, I did sort of feel like I had the, the victory that I really wanted. And uh, the next year, which if you're keeping track was my senior year, was my last chance for air guitar glory. I had a, I had a, a legacy <laughs> at this point. And so I was trying to figure out how I was going to top that and I was really struggling for ideas as the date for the signups got closer and closer. Um, and soon it was time for the, the list to go up, for us to put our names, and it, I, I hadn't thought of anything. And then the time that it had gone up had passed and there was no list. So I, I asked the student activities director, you know, when, when are signups going up for air guitar? And he said that that year there wasn't going to be an air guitar. Um, so while maybe I didn't shut down the competition that night, I like to think that I shut down air guitar for good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>
Danny told that story back in December of 2014, and at the end of his story, he actually showed the video of when he danced in that competition, and we were absolutely rolling on the floor laughing. It was so hysterical. And one of the people who he impressed the most with his dancing and his storytelling skills was somebody he didn't know was in the audience that night, and that was B.B. Newworth. For those of you who don't know, B.B. Newworth uh, played Lilith on Cheers. She's won an Emmy, a Tony. She's an incredibly talented Broadway performer. So for Danny to hear how well he did in her eyes at that air guitar competition was something I'm sure he will treasure forever. You can find Danny on Twitter at DearestAlien. So Danny and I actually co-host another storytelling show together here in New York City. We show clips from 80s and 90s TV shows that inspire the themes for our storytelling show. It's called A Very Special Episode. Our next show is going to be on June 30th at 7.30 at QED in Astoria. So in each episode, we'll be featuring Auntie talking about all kinds of stuff. And in this segment, I talked to Auntie and my mom about the wonderful world of podcasts. What does it look like? I figure some, I envision something round, round, round. You envision the podcast being round. Oh, so you think a podcast is a little brown, round thing that you plug into your ears. (laughs) So it is a digital file. Oh, yeah. It's, it's something that's already available on the internet that you can subscribe to and okay. listen to. Because you guys can't come to the show all the time, then you can listen to the podcast so you'll hear some of the stories. Yeah, but do I have to have a pod on these ear things to listen to it? You just have to have ears. <laughs> Stop making fun of me! Because you know I don't give a shit about ears. Yeah, we do know that you don't. Oh, I don't, I don't. I'm not impressed by it at all. I wish we go back to the old-fashioned world of talking to each other and period. Well, we're talking to each other right now. You got things in your Our next storyteller is a tremendous stand-up comedian. She has opened for Tig Notaro. She is a force to be reckoned with on Twitter. She was named Time Magazine's 140 Best Twitter Feeds of 2014. And on top of it all, she's incredibly sweet and an unbelievable storyteller. This story is about how she got in a little bit of a pickle when she was behind the wheel. Here's Aparna Nansharla live at Yum's The Word. Okay, so just to start, how many people in here can drive? I know it's not always. Oh, cool. And out of those, how many of you consider yourself good drivers? Does anyone consider themselves a bad driver? Oh, yeah, cool. Usually no one owns it. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't consider myself... Sometimes a bad, that's fair. Sometimes we're all bad at things. Uh, I, I don't consider myself a terrible driver, but I'm not sure. Like, I feel like driving is one of those things where you, you don't really know how you come across to other people. It's like your voice on tape or like your face, you know? You don't know how other people see it. But I asked a friend to describe my driving style once, and he was like, Overly cautious, like to the point where other people in the car start yelling at you out of frustration. 
and anger. And I was like, okay, that's fair. You know, we may have driven together a few times. But uh, to be fair, like, I never wanted to learn how to drive. Like, it was one of those things, like, a lot of teenagers are like, give me that license. But I was like, keep it away from me. Like, I never, like, I always, like, I didn't want to learn to drive ALAP, which is as long as possible. Because... It, it just felt too scary to me, like too much responsibility, like just being in charge of like thousands of pounds of metal and like the safety of yourself and others in the direct vicinity. I was like, who needs that kind of responsibility? You know, <laughs> like momentum plus time, or mass times acceleration equals fear. That's what driving <laughs> felt like to me. So I like tried to hold it off as long as possible until finally my parents just got sick of giving me rides and my dad was like, you're learning. So one day, like a spring day, a uh, beautiful spring day in our suburban Virginia neighborhood, my dad took me on a lesson. Uh, and by lesson, I mean he just yelled at me while we did loops around the local high school parking lot. And, you know, it went pretty well. Like I made a couple loops. And then he was like, he was like, he yelled, we're driving home. And I was like, okay, this is a bad idea. And, and it wasn't that challenging. Like, the main thing that I had to tackle was an unprotected left turn across, like, opposing traffic. Yeah, the hardest turn. No big deal. And uh, one sign you know that, like, something's not going to go well is if your dad's yelling at you before you start it, your hands are shaking, uh, you've never done it before, like you've never, you've just learned to drive straight and then someone's like, let's do angles, you know? <laughs> and we started turning and then at that point my body just went into flight or flight mode, flight or flight mode. And it was just like, you know what? Forget the turn, let's go to your happy place. So I just closed my eyes. <laughs> and drove straight across all the lanes uh, through my neighbor's fence and into their rose garden. Uh, <laughs> at which point my dad, uh, points for consistency, kept yelling. Uh, I decided I was done with the situation and just got out of the vehicle without even putting it in park. Uh, I was like, let's end this now. And, you know, that was like the first sign to me that I was like, maybe you're not meant to be behind a vehicle, like moving or otherwise. And, you know, like most adolescent trauma, I got through it. Like I, I eventually paid for my neighbor's fence. I made them cookies. They weren't even that good cookies. I still feel bad about that. Like if you're gonna make someone apology cookies, they should be good, you know? <laughs> like otherwise it's just like, what are you doing? But, uh, and, uh, you know, I eventually learned to drive. I, I only took lessons from there on out from an actual driving school. I believe it was Rudy's driving school. And Rudy was also a yeller, but he was like a Shirley level-headed Jamaican man. And somehow the accent made it more charming. So I, I learned to drive. And, you know, I, my record was fine from there on out. Like the fence was like a one-time incident. And then it was like, you know, smooth sailing. And then cut to 10 years later... It's like also a spring day, weird coincidence, good storytelling. Uh, it was like early evening. I was on my way to do a stand-up comedy show, and uh, I was running late. I'm always running late. And I reached my old nemesis, an unprotected left turn. 
and this was like at a traffic intersection and the light was turning yellow but uh, the cars on the other in the other lane were slowing down so I was like I have time to make it through so I start turning and then uh, a motorcycle starts like coming out of nowhere from the other lane and I'm like oh this wasn't part of the simulation and <laughs> But at that point, it's too late. I'm already turning, the motorcycle's coming. I just like freak out, but in my credit, I don't close my eyes. And then in like super slow motion, I, my car is like slowly turning, clips the side of the motorcycle. The motorcycle goes spinning in one direction. The driver flies off in another direction, exactly the way human beings should not travel. Uh, he bounces on the ground a few times and then just lays there like a nightmare. And then for like a few seconds, like longest seconds of my life up until then, he just lays there and then he suddenly jumps up like, like, like a reanimated Jack in the Box, whips his helmet off and is just like, are you kidding me? I just got this back from the shop. Which like, I have never been more relieved to see someone jump up and just start yelling. Uh, and like at that moment, like I couldn't think. Like you, you always imagine like you know all these situations that could happen to you when you drive, and then like when it actually happens to you, you don't know what's happening. And like I uh, first I called nine one one on my cell phone, and apparently someone had already called. And then I got out of the car. The guy was like pacing around, but he was kind of out of it. And I was glad because I didn't really know what to say to him because I'm bad at small talk anyway. <laughs> but then when you almost murder someone, it's like that gives another layer layer of challenging. <laughs> and and then like some pedestrians came over and they like made sure we were both okay. They made us all sit down. And the weird thing is like at this point I I just started crying like sometimes. Sometimes you're just, like, I didn't feel like crying. Like, I just started crying. Like, I was so out of touch with my emotions. I was just like, that happened. And then my body was like, and now this happens. And, <laughs> and, and like, I, eventually an ambulance took away the guy. And then a cop came over and started asking me, like, what happened? And the weirdest thing was everyone else seemed to be taking the situation great. Like, a couple people were taking photos. Uh, the cop was like, why are you so upset? You never hit anyone before? And I was like, no. <laughs> like, I texted the guy whose comedy show I was going to do, and I told him I wouldn't make it because I was in an accident. And he didn't even, act, like, he was like, okay, thanks for the heads up. Like, every week people are just like, I'm dying, not going to make it. Uh, he took it really well. And... So that happened, and I, like, I was okay, but like, I was really shaken up by it. And I, I feel like over the next few weeks and months, like I couldn't drop the fact that I almost killed a person. Like That had almost happened to me, and that was like a new thing. I had to be like, you're a person who almost killed another person. And um, like, that doesn't go on a dating profile, but it is something <laughs> you think about a lot. And... I think, like, it was something I couldn't let go of uh, in the following weeks. And finally, it, like, got to a point where I just kept telling all my friends that I knew about. Like, it's not something you really want to tell a lot of people about, but I couldn't stop talking about it to other people. Like, I had to over-process it. And then, like, where all bad ideas come from, one day I was on Gchat uh, <laughs> instead of doing my job at an office, and my friend and I, like, somehow came up with the idea. He was like, well, why don't you get the guy something? Like, just to acknowledge that 
you, you, you affected his life in some way. Like, get him a gift or something. And I was like, okay, that's a terrible idea. But somehow at the time, we were both like, yeah, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, that's a good idea. And I think the, for his first suggestion was to get, get him tickets to one of my stand-up shows. Can you imagine how terrible that would be? Like, to be like, here, come to my show. And I'll be like, hey, remember the time I almost killed you? Nice shirt. Like, that's not what you do. But luckily, we, we threw that one out. And then we eventually settled on the idea of getting this guy movie tickets. I don't know why. I guess it's an escapist experience. Uh, but I was like, yeah, movie tickets, movie tickets. And so I somehow decided to get this guy a pack of movie tickets. I don't know. Let's call it grief counseling. And... Uh, and I, I got them to him, but I didn't know where he lived. So I had to go back to the police station where the incident report was filed to get his address. And when I did that, I learned a really weird thing. This guy and I, uh, for all our differences in the world, uh, like his motorcycle wasn't insured, my car was, like for all our differences, <laughs> we had one thing in common. We had the exact same birthday, like same month, same day, same year. And somehow in that moment, like it, I was like, that's it, that's a sign. Like we're cosmically linked. Like everything's gonna be okay. This guy and I have the same birthday. Like there is a God. Like I didn't go that far, but I, it was like close. And, and so I sent him the movie tickets and of course like he took it like anyone would, uh, which was very well. He tried to sue me and uh, it was okay. My car insurance took care of it, which I really hope isn't mafia code, but they said they took care of it. And, uh, and so that didn't happen anymore, but it was, it was so weird. Like in the end, like that's all you get when something like that happens to you in life. Like there is no happy ending. There is no neat bow. Like sometimes you just have the same birthday and then you hope, you know, it was 2008. So I hope if you use the tickets, he saw the dark night. Uh, <laughs> instead of like Hancock or something. But, uh, but at the end of the day, yeah, I might be an overly cautious driver, but sometimes that's all you get. Okay, thanks. Aparna just recorded her live comedy album, which will be available soon. For that and more, follow her on Twitter at Aparnapkin. That's A-P-A-R napkin. Thanks for listening to our very first podcast. If you are in New York City and want to come see the live show, we would love to have you, and you could get a piece of ice cream cake. Our next show is July 14th at Le Poisson Rouge at 7.30. Tickets are available at yumsthewordshow.com. And if you want to see more of Auntie, I have all kinds of fun videos with her. She is on Tumblr, although she has no idea what that is. Uh, and you can find those videos of her and me at auntiedotell.tumblr.com. Both of the stories you just heard were recorded live at Le Poisson Rouge here in New York City, and the auntie bits were recorded in my parents' laundry room on the toilet where it should happen. We Gelfenbeins like to keep it classy. The podcast is produced by me, Robin Gelfenbein, with special thanks to Vince Fairchild, Alex Fulton, and Ian Mazoff. The theme song is by Mark Radcliffe and me. Thanks for listening, and until next time. What do you do with the ear things? Where do they plug in so you can hear it? They would plug into either your smartphone or into your computer. Well, I don't have a smartphone, but I have a computer. And you also have... 
an iPad. God's bowling. God's bowling. <laughs> Marty, high five me. That was good. Come on. You can do it. Come on. I was just going to say this. You can do better high fives than that. Yeah, Marge. That sounded fantastic. Yum's the word.